This is Recognize, a podcast about the NHL's black and biracial hockey heroes, proudly supported by eBay Canada. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. I think everyone as a kid had uh, hockey cards and, you know, my free time when I was younger, I remember we had boxes and boxes of them and I used to go through them and, you know, at the time I didn't really realize, uh, you know, what they meant, uh, you know, sentimentally. Devontae Smith-Pelly was born in 1992 in Scarborough, Ontario. He played 10 seasons in the NHL for the Anaheim Ducks, Montreal Canadiens, New Jersey Devils, and the Washington Capitals. Devontae, it's nice to meet you. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I'm going to start out with just, if you can see this, this is a uh, photo of your rookie card with <laughs> Anaheim. Yeah. Just going to ask you, uh, what comes to mind when you see that card? Seems like it was forever ago, honestly. Um... Yeah, it's my first year in the league, a 19-year-old kid, and um, a lot of growing up since then. Um, hockey cards being, have always been pretty popular, but really expanded in the time that you were growing up as a kid, I imagine. So do you have any experiences you'd like to share collecting hockey cards or any other cards? Um, I used to collect a, a little bit, and... Um... You know, my free time when I was younger, I remember we had boxes and boxes of them and I used to go through them. And, um, you know, at the time I didn't really realize, uh, you know, what they meant, uh, you know, sentimentally and financially, if I had any good ones or anything like that. But um, I think everyone as a kid had uh, hockey cards and you know, try and collect your favorite players and just have those uh, as keepsake. So is any players that come to mind that you wanted to highlight for us that were really um popular for you at the time or you sought out keeping um well I'm from toronto so i always tried to get you know like the matt sundines and um those guys and um as i got a little bit older Jerome mcginlow was my favorite player so i was kind of chasing that around um and he was a star player so you know he could, he could always get one of those cards um those are probably the two like those are my two favorite players uh growing up and um two guys that you know i was kind of chasing down you mentioned Jerome McGinley. Had you heard of um, Willie O'Ree, or when's the first time you actually heard of Willie O'Ree? Um, I would have heard about him when I was younger, um, starting to play and started to learn the game. Um, I don't think I realized, um, you know, his impact or um, how much he actually meant to the game for me personally until I was probably, you know, a teenager or something like that. But, you know, I'd, al I'd always heard about him um as a kid but like i said I, I didn't really understand um you know his importance until you know i was probably a teenager uh, in and around that age that's neat and did you do you eventually meet willie Ree? can you share experiences when you were able to connect with him yeah i honestly only met him once and it was uh probably by the year that we i think won the stanley cup i met him in anaheim um, that was the first time I met him and, um, yeah, we, we talked for a bit. Um, you know, obviously I, I, have heard his story and, 
you know, he came into the room and, and talked to the guys a little bit. And, um, you know, we got a chance to spend a little bit of time together. And, um, yeah, it was nice to finally meet him. Obviously, I heard a lot about him. And I think we've crossed paths and been in the same place uh, a couple times throughout throughout my career. But uh, I was good at, to, you know, shake his hand and get to actually talk to the person himself. So if I can go back to that Anaheim card then, do you actually remember where that photo was taken? And uh, like how long in the season that was? Was it your first season, second season? or I think that would have just been my first year. Um, if I can remember, because I have a million of those. I, if I can remember based on like the gear, it would have been like early, early in the year, maybe even preseason. Because uh, I know based on this, the stick I was using and the gloves I was using that I don't think I'd made the team yet or wasn't sure if I was on the team yet. So I think it's pretty early in my my uh, 19 year old year. So let's take a step back to your early childhood. You're one of the many um, successful black hockey players coming out of Scarborough. So um, can you tell us about your early experiences uh, for hockey and when you do you recall when you first started skating and who supported you? Um, yeah, I mean, being from uh, Toronto area, it's area, you know, the Leafs are obviously massive and um, you know, just watching the games with my dad and my mom and um, decided, you know, I want to maybe try this out, try skating. And it started a, later than probably anyone who, who's played in the NHL. I think I started at eight years old. Um, that was my first time, like, skating and just instantly fell in love with it and, um, you know, got pretty good pretty quick and, um, you know, just moved up the ranks from there pretty pretty quickly. Was there a hockey league you signed up for? Did your parents take you out for a skate? Or how did you first land getting involved with it when you were eight years old? Um, every, I think, Sunday, there was uh, just a free skate at the rink by our house. Um, so I went out there the first time and, you know, just, just went full throttle and kind of just went for it right away. And I remember I fell and I uh, had to get stitches on my chin. And that was like the, the start of it. And um you know, I, I guess I realized I really liked it because um, that didn't really deter me from keeping keep going. So, um, yeah, I started there and then, you know, signed up for, uh, you know, the SHA, which is the uh, you know house league league around here and um, played there. And I think first half of the year, I was probably pretty terrible and just got the got the hang of it. And um, by the end of the year, I mean, I was probably the best player on the team. And, and then the next year I, I moved right up to AAA. So, like I said, it was a pretty quick uh transition and progression but um right from the start you know obviously i, I enjoyed it and, and loved it so you're saying that between eight and ten years old had you sort of started to get into the rep hockey experiences soon after starting eight like were you playing triple a by adam or uh yeah so i played that that eight-year-old year i played um sha and i think when i was nine i played triple a for one team and then I moved to another triple A team from, and then from there all the way to OHL draft, I played uh, on that team. So one year, one year of house league and, and that was it. So at what point in time did you start to think you might have a bit of a future in hockey? Like not everyone thinks you're on Mac, you're going to make it to NHL, but did you, was there a point in time you recall at a younger age where you thought, you know, this is something that you can really excel at? Um, I don't think when I was like younger in triple or anything like that. I mean, um, you know, there was guys who were 
highly touted early and, you know, getting attention early. And I wasn't really one of those guys. I think probably the start of my NHL draft year, so 17 years old, um, just based on what the coaches told me. And, um, you know, we had guys drafted and just based on how I stacked up against them and other guys in the league, that's when I first kind of realized, like, oh, I mean, maybe I could do something. Um, yeah, I think it, it wasn't really when I was a kid or anything like that. I mean, I guess 17, I'm still a kid, but it wasn't when I was younger that I, I really thought about it. it. was my literal NHL draft year. It was probably the first time I actually really, really thought about it. I appreciate you sharing that because for our listeners, you know, there's a narrative out there nowadays that there's a belief that, you know, you have to know that you've, you're going to be making it when you're four or six or eight years old and, and even eight years old. By nowadays, the way some people are pushing their children, some people feel that you know there's no hope if you're not shining in a big star by by years old. So I appreciate you you sharing that. Yeah, I think if I look back at um, all the you know higher touted guys that through eight through fifteen, um, those weren't even the guys who ended up making it at my age. So um, you know, if I ever talk to parents or kids or anything like that, I mean, it's not the you know, the end of the world if in between those ages, you aren't the highly touted guy. I mean, that's, you know, it doesn't really matter at that point. So I, I want to ask you then between that eight and 15, who are some of the stars that are playing on your team or against that? Uh, I know you just recently retired, but can you share some names of some, some people you played against that did eventually go to the NHL? Um, so on our team, uh, Tyler Defoy was on our team. So another guy who from Scarborough who won a Stanley Cup, we played together. Um, we used to play against, you know, we played with and against Jeff Skinner. We played with Skinner a little bit. He was on our team when we were younger. Um, Tyler Sagan. I think those are, it was like kind of us four. Some other guys made it and played a little bit, but I think those those other three guys are the three guys who are still playing and still, um, you know, stars in the league at, out of, you know, the thousands of kids our age. Yeah, and it's not easy to either be identified to make these teams that you played on. Sometimes there's restrictions on there can't be more than two lines. So there's enough playing time. Um, how, how can you describe the process for you and getting on this team? Was it again, just the fact that a cohort stayed together when you were 10 years old and you were already on the inside or. Um, yeah. I mean, the year before I, I got involved with that team, I was just on a, I think we probably came eighth or ninth, like one of the lower level teams and um, just kind of was a standout on that team. And, um, you know, the junior Canadians, the owner and the coaches just asked me to, if I wanted to move up and, and play on a higher level team. And obviously that's, you know, that's what you want. You want to uh, progress and be challenged and play on a good team. So I moved there and um, yeah, we pretty much all stuck together all the way through. Cause I mean, we're, we're all pretty good and then the team was good so um there wasn't a lot of change through for you know five six years yeah and again for the listeners just learning about what happens at the turning point for for some players in terms of their next path was this the type of team where you mentioned the ohl did some players move on to play junior b or u.s college was it that type of team where you had a lot of talent yeah um yeah like i said the we had uh five or six guys taken top 10 in the OHL. So, you know, we all went to the OHL and we had uh, several guys 
go get scholarships. And I think, um, you know, after it all, I think only one or two guys didn't continue playing after um, that minor midget. So we had guys go to university. We had guys playing the OHL and um, pretty much everyone moved on to a higher level uh, after that. So when you move on to OHL, you um, you start out really strong. I, I know in 2008-09, 56, uh, 57 games played, 25 points. 2009, 60 games, 62 points, really, really stepped things up. 2010, 67 games, 66 points. So um, what – when you got to the OHL, what was that like? Like, was was did you feel you you were prepared to succeed once you uh, made the team? And and you talked about the draft. Were you one of the first round draft picks for the uh, St. Michael's team? Uh, yeah. So I went uh, eighth overall. Um, was I prepared? Yeah, I was definitely prepared. Um, it's obviously different. I mean, sixteen years old playing against guys. Some guys are twenty years old. It's obviously there's a uh, a difference in how mature you are and um, stuff like that. But um, no, I, th- I was prepared. I was ready to go. Obviously it's, it was a little different because, you know, it's a good team and um, I'm the youngest guy. So you're not obviously going to get given the keys right away to, to be the main guy. So, um, you know, I had to work my way up and um, the coaches were great and uh, they were fair when, when I deserved more I got more and when I didn't I didn't and um it was, it was a it was a good first year your point about not being given the keys but there's expectations as well like you mentioned you're eighth overall in the entire OHL draft so you're you're they're expecting things from you you're expected to likely make the team all things being equal so so you sort of uh adapted to that that uh those expectations I guess in terms of your transition yeah, I mean, the expectations are obviously going to be relatively high, but um, like I said, we, we had a good team, so it's not like, um, you know, that we had guys who were drafted. We had you had guys, to shoulder a lot of the responsibility yeah, right away. Yeah, so I, I didn't, I wasn't expected to go in there and be the main guy. Um, you know, the team was good enough that I could have had a slow first year and a full development year and it didn't really matter because um you know we had older guys that were good enough anyway so i think it was probably the perfect situation because some guys you know some guys go in and um they're given uh, a lot of responsibility at 16 years old and not ready for it and um the responsibility i was given was just um develop get better and um progress every day so we've learned with some of the other guests we've had on so far, some of the black players that either knew each other in the Scarborough or GTA area. So are there some um, players that uh, sort of mentored and supported this transition when you made the leap from uh, the Rangers to the St. Mike's team? Um, did you want to mention there's any pivotal players that you were sort of networking with at that time to support your success? Um, at, at that time, no, not really. Uh, you know, I'm 16 years old. I'm in grade nine and grade 10. Like I didn't, I didn't really know anyone. Uh, I didn't know the, the guys that I, you know, ended up meeting a couple years later, you know, the Wayne Simmons, uh, Anthony, Chris Stewart, um, those guys, I didn't meet them until I was probably 18 or 19. So just kind of, kind of at that point 
figure it out. And the guys I leaned on were the guys on my team who were older than me and who had gone through it already, you know? What was that like when you connected with this um, relationship with some of the players you mentioned, like the Wayne Simmons? And did that just come naturally just because uh, you guys are, uh, you know, experience similar backgrounds and come from the same upbringing? Um, yeah, I mean, it came naturally. We ended up having the same agent and, um, you know, when I was in grade 11 or 12 or whatever, um, they used to work out at, at my school's, uh, track. So, um, that's kind of how we crossed paths. I used to, you know, go down there and watch them work out and train and stuff like that. And then eventually started training with them. So it was pretty like organic. We weren't forced together or anything like that. It just, um, kind of came, came to, and, you know, those guys are right now, our family, all of those guys now. When growing up then, um, had there been other players of color on any of the teams you played on? Do you recall seeing other players, racialized players in any of your experiences growing up? Um, on our team when I was, no, I, I think when we were, when I was younger, there was a couple guys, a couple black guys on the team, um, on the team that I played for, for five, six years. No, um, you know, around the league there. Yeah. I mean, probably every team had one, you know, minority, visible minority. Um, so it wasn't like super foreign, um, to, to see a guy on the other team that was, you know, black, brown, Asian or anything like that. So, um, I think in, in this area, it's, it's obviously pretty multicultural. So it wasn't, you know, out of the norm for, for, to see anyone uh, on another team like that. And then for you, um, it's, it's never easy for people to talk about any negative experiences they they've had, but, um, do you want to just, uh, share with the listeners what it was like for you? Um, good, bad, um, in terms of your experiences of being a black player? You know, as a, as a kid, I mean, in the room, like all those guys, my teammates never, you know, those, those guys are, we're, we're all still friends to this day. So in the room, nothing like that. I think when you're a kid, you're kind of naive to some of the things that are going on. So, um, I look back at, like, you know, the way, you know, when it came to like all-star team and it's just the way you're treated some, sometimes. And, um, you know, some of the things parents say uh, as a kid, I, you just have no idea, but, you know, looking back, there's obviously, um you know we're not at a place where that doesn't happen so um nothing really overt to me that um that i really recognize but as i got older you just there's some things that you look back on and kind of think and realize maybe uh maybe that that's what happened so let's talk about then on that topic going to ohl and again you're you you're standing out because you're black but you're standing out because you're a very uh, successful scorer so did you have to confront any challenges there and again what was that like did you feel support from your team um did you feel support from referees if anything ever happened or the league do you want to touch on that for us uh yeah no it's like no there's no no problems honestly um no one ever said anything to me no one ever said anything to from our team to someone else. I mean, it was, felt pretty welcome to be honest. Obviously, you never know what you never know really. But um, in the OHL, no, there was never any 
any any problems anything was nothing was ever said to me and pretty grateful for that because it's not always it's not always like that if you're enjoying recognize and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection i'd suggest you start with ebay ebay is all about connecting communities and fueling passions because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. You're on the team at St. Mike's for three years, and I think St. Mike's had some success, did it not? Could you want to talk about uh, highlights you have individually and also for your team over the course of your career there? Uh, yeah, we had a good team for three years, so I was thankful that I got to play um, meaningful playoff games all throughout my OHL career. Um, you know, we went to the OHL finals my last year and lost in game seven. And then we went to the Memorial Cup finals and lost there too. So, um, you know, at the time, it's the end of the world that we lost those games. But um, looking back, I mean, that's a special year and you know, still lifelong friends from that team. You know, we we still did some special things regardless of, um, you know, the end result in those two things. Yeah, not everyone can say they go that deep into the playoffs with that type of success. So do you remember some of the um, star players and some of the teams you played in the finals there? Oh, uh, um, yeah, I think uh, the, t- the, yeah, the team we played in the finals um, – you know, Andrew Shaw was on that team. Jamel Smith was on that team. Um, Jesse Blacker played. Uh, he played some some NHL games. Joey Hishon was a first rounder. There's there was there was uh, you know, good guys. Maybe not NHL stars, but I mean, Andrew Shaw won what two Stanley Cups, and um, they have a bunch of guys that still play pro. So um, you know, they had, they had a good team. So again, around that time you are asked to be on one of the, the national teams. Is that the under 17 team? Do you want to tell us about your experiences and what that meant to you playing for Canada? Uh, yeah. So um, after, you know, your, during your first year in the league, they have uh, the under 17 and it's, um, you know, all the best 16 year olds in in the country. And then I think what well, us and, um, you know, Sweden and all those other teams are in it. Um, yeah, so it was good to be recognized as one of the uh, better players from that age group in, in our area. And um team was pretty stacked with uh, guys who made it to the NHL and um, had successful careers. And, you know, we ended up winning it all. And, um, yeah, that was uh, my first time, you know, playing for all those Team Ontario playing, you know, on a international uh, stage and um, I enjoyed it. And again, you were in pre-elite company making it on the uh, Canadian junior team. I know that that came with a bit of a setback, but can you just share your experience with that? And, and again, um, the success of being part of something that not everyone gets a chance to be part of. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um pr- had a pretty unique route to uh, the world juniors. I, I played uh Played my 19-year-old year in the NHL, and halfway through, they decided to send me back for World Juniors. And um, yeah, that's like uh, that's 
that's one of those uh, bucket list things to, to do in, in the hockey world, especially you're from around here. Um, obviously, everyone on Boxing Day um, sitting around. It's it's uh, World Junior time. So um, getting a chance to be on that team, you know, unfortunately, I got hurt in the first game. So I didn't get the full experience, but um, getting a chance to watch all the games and uh, see the atmosphere. It was in Canada. It was um, regardless of. You know, my personal situation, what happened, it was still uh, it was still really, really fun. Yeah, and it's such an honor to be asked to uh, be on a team at such a high level. So I imagine you'll you'll continue to, you know, look at that in high regard in terms of having that opportunity. Tell us about then your memory then of uh, making it to the NHL, that that journey you first um well actually let's let's take a step back and let's talk about the draft day you're drafted second overall to anaheim duck so tell us about leading up to that experience did you expect to be drafted around that time and then you can sort of get into where it was uh, did your family join you all those things the draft day is obviously you know one of the biggest days of my life um you know, the draft was in uh, los angeles and you know i had my my family was there and uh chris stewart came with us and everything and um you know, there was uh, there was some talk about maybe going in the first round, and I mean that was uh, that would have been exciting to you know be on TV and stuff like that. But um, the next day, when it finally finally happened, um, that was amazing. It was one of the best days of my life. I I got drafted to uh, you know with with one of my friends, Emerson Edom, who got drafted to the Ducks earlier in in the in the draft too. So. Um, no, it was it was a crazy experience, um, and uh, obviously a day I'll never forget. Did your family and you fly out to the draft in Los Angeles, or? Yeah, we uh, we all flew out. Um, no, no, my mom, my dad, my brother, uh, Chris Stewart, my agent, uh, my little cousin came. Yeah, we had a little, a nice little group, and. Um, that was when Wayne Simmons was playing in LA and we stayed at his house and um, yeah, we made like a nice uh, week, week and a half out of it. And um, it was, it was an overall exciting and crazy trip. Yeah. It must be an amazing moment. So then in 2011, it looks like you've just, you just jumped right from St. Mike's right from, for the most part, right to the Anaheim Ducks that season. Can you tell us about your first game in NHL and where it was, and again your memories from that experience? Uh, yeah, my first game was in uh, Helsinki. Kind of a little bit of a different uh, start to a career. Um, you know, my parents couldn't be there, and so that was a little weird. But um, no, I got to go to that was my first time in Europe. I got to go to Europe and play my first NHL game, so um, that was pretty cool. Um, on a little nerve wracking was probably the only game of my career that I was actually nervous. Um, no, but it was, uh, it was a crazy experience. Uh, you know, getting to play in Finland, my first game, and then we went to Sweden and that's how I started my NHL careers overseas. Pretty crazy. So who was the first team? Who did you play against when you were overseas? We played, um, the Buffalo Sabres, the first game. And then we played the Rangers in Sweden. And then leading up to camp, did you do you expect to make it? When did you actually find that find out you're making the team and going to be playing 
and that first regular season game? Um, so we had to go to Europe a little bit earlier, obviously, to, um, you know, get adjusted to the time and all that stuff. So I had a pretty good idea once they told me I was going to go to Europe because, you know, obviously they, they sent all the junior guys back. Um, they weren't really going to take uh, any young guys over there that weren't going to play. So um, probably about, you know, 10 days before the season. Um, it's kind of when I found out that I was going to make the team. So um, pretty crazy, pretty crazy experience. That's great. So then you, um, from there on in, you um, you consistently seen that you had a few stints in the AHL, but then you're followed up with Anaheim and then you, you move on to Montreal and New Jersey and Washington. So very, very lengthy uh, NHL career. Uh, but again, kind of where, where you came in in the draft at both the OHL and NHL, it's kind of expected that you were going to have a long and lengthy successful career with, which is uh, what it looks like. So um, do you have some highlights that you want to share? We are aware that, uh, you know, you won the Stanley cup with Washington. Um, are we missing any other highlights before then that you'd like to also share? Yeah. I mean, scoring my first NHL goal, my first game in Toronto, that's pretty huge. Um, I think like scoring a playoff goal in the Bell Center is a highlight. That's pretty nuts. You know, we had a, a pretty good playoff run with Anaheim uh, one year too. That was uh, that was a good run. That's a highlight for sure. And then, um, yeah, I mean, those those are all um, things that I remember. Those those little bits and pieces. Obviously, before uh, getting to the you know the big one, those are those are highlights that I definitely won't forget. So sticking with Montreal then, those were some of the years where P.K. Subban was around. Did you did you get to know P.K.? And are you guys still friends? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I knew him a little bit before um, we ended up playing together. Um, yeah, still friends to this day. We hung out a lot this summer. Um, yeah, that's, that's my guy. So I'm happy to see him uh, doing well in his, you know, post-hockey career. So um... – Walk us through then your your run with the uh, Washington and winning the Stanley Cup, and you were really uh, had a really successful uh, playoff and uh, had a real big impact in the final game. So you can you talk about that experience leading up to the cup and, and winning? Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's huge. It was um, it was a roller coaster. I mean we started the playoffs down two games in the first round and kind of looked like, oh, man, it might be over. And then we went to overtime in game three and double overtime, I think it went to. And, you know, we got a lucky bounce and it kind of changed everything there. And so it's just it's just a roller coaster of emotions. And, um, you know, we got through the Penguins, which was had been obviously uh, a thing that had stopped uh, that organization beforehand, before, you know, we even got there. Um yeah, it was it was nuts. It was it was crazy to be able to to be a part of history like that to to help um, you know the greatest goal scorer ever uh, finally break through. It's, it's uh, I'm I'm really uh, proud that I got to be a cha- to uh, be a part of that. What happened after the tying goal? Can you? Uh yeah. So I had it with uh, you know, I guess under ten minutes to go, and um, pretty crazy goal probably a goal that it's kind of like one in 
one in a couple thousand because uh, just the way it bounced to me, the way I got it, got it through and everything, um, pretty crazy. And then, yeah, a couple minutes later, um, you know, there's a little bit of a broken play, and you know, Lars Eller scores the winner, and um, you know, that last four or five minutes felt like felt like an eternity, but um, you know, we pulled it out, we we got through, and crazy, crazy feeling. You've you've really adapted to um, some of the things you faced during that playoff run, particularly in uh, February 17, 2018. You were the target of some chants with Chicago Blackhawks um, who were sort of chanting the word um, basketball towards you. And uh, there were some steps taken by the uh, NHL, I believe, and and the apologies were made. So um, what what do you make of that situation? And uh, did, did something did – something good come out of that in terms of the the, the response that uh, should be made and the fact that we don't want these instances to happen either in the NHL or any level of hockey for that matter? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the situation is pretty, uh, uh, pretty garbage, but I mean, um, no, the way that uh, the NHL and the Blackhawks handled it was pretty, you know, I think the way all that should be handled is pretty swiftly and um, you know, they, those people were banned or forever long. I don't know if it was forever or a year or whatever, but, um, you know, they wasted no time doing that and, um, figuring out who it was and getting him out. And, um, I mean, I guess that's kind of the only thing that you can do. I'm mean, right. I mean, it's, uh, it's just kind of, um, it should happen in the first place, but you know, the, the swift response and, um by the league and the team was um was nice to see i guess so i i had a feeling when that incident happened with the chicago that's why i said i think some good came out of the publicity unfortunately you were on the receiving end of it but but are you are you optimistic about the way uh things are going now in terms of the efforts that players like yourself and and other black black racialized players are sort of trying to step up and and make things great for the next generation i'm generally optimistic anyway so i mean i guess um it's tough that we're still kind of talking about it but i mean i think um you know a lot of guys are making uh making efforts to to change it and um making the right efforts to change it you know probably just starts with kids and education as as a as a kid you know, if you start educating early, um, you know, when those, those people turn into adults, uh, they won't, they won't have that even on their brain. It won't even be a thing. So a lot of people are making the right efforts to, uh, to change it. And, um, you know, when it's going to fully change, who knows, but, um, I think the, the right steps are, are being made. I had asked you before earlier growing up, did you see many people like yourself playing on your team or other teams is very limited. So, what what made the difference for you and 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 I imagine in school there was other people who looked like yourself in the school you went to that maybe not chose to play hockey. So do you know do you know what the difference was for you in terms of your you choosing that path and maybe some other kids now? And again, it's along those those lines of if we want to encourage more diversity in minor hockey, um, what 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 needs to change? Um, you know, I I think. 
like a lot of my friends from you know where i grew up like they they loved hockey i think the biggest hurdle is just financially like it's just too expensive um i think i got pretty lucky like um you know whenever we did need help we were able to get it from uh you know the owner of our minor hockey team and not everyone is that lucky to have a you know an owner that cares and wants to help out like that so i mean it's just how expensive the game is just cuts out so many people right off the right off the rip even as a kid like i don't know why as at eight years old like any hockey should be 50 60 70 thousand dollars that doesn't even make sense but um i think that's like the kind of the biggest thing when it comes to diversity because a lot of my friends like from where i went to school like they are diehard hockey fans they love you know the leafs like they love hockey but it just was not possible when they were younger so there was just no chance there was not even a they barely even tried because there's just no shot. Oh, when I was younger, I went to, you know, Bliss Carmen and Birchmount. Um, yeah, so, like, a lot of my friends from those those schools, like, they they love hockey. They love the Leafs. Like, we still talk to this day. And, yeah, like I said, it was just when we were younger, like, it just – it wasn't an option. Like, it was just too too expensive. Yeah, so I think that uh, reducing the barriers, however, however that happens, is something that's going to open up the doors for more students to uh, access the game and and no doubt when you traveled the u.s cities anaheim new jersey washington um do do you have any stories to share about students that may have looked up to you from uh minority backgrounds or racialized backgrounds that uh that you came across and the impact you may have had um yeah i mean the 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 demographic there is um you know majority black so you know, when we're going through the the parade and I see like a, a lot of black parents and black kids and, um, you know, that, that makes me feel good. I, uh, when I, when I went back, um, you know, after I retired, you know, I met with some kids and stuff like that. You know, I had a lot of parents tell me, you know, their kids started playing because, you know, they saw me on a successful team there and kind of changed the way they saw hockey and their their kids wanted to play and now they're like hockey parents and stuff like that so um i'm happy i was able to have that that impact on uh on people like that yeah so that's the optimistic part of it not only um well kids might want to play those kids who saw you play they will become parents and again may may see hockey as an option but but you're right there's still some things to overcome for this sport in terms of just accessibility with the with the cost of uh uh, paying for coaches now and ice rentals and equipment and tournaments and uh, specialized camps. It's uh, really something, right? So um, so I guess organizations like, you know, Anthony Stewart's who's uh, got the hockey equality and something that we're trying to pay forward with through this podcast. Those are the types of uh, structures and programs we have to be put in place for the great game to grow. Yeah. Uh, Anthony is doing a, yeah, Anthony's doing a great job. Um, you know, he's sending a lot of young kids uh, to the best training, and they have the best, um, you know, off ice and on ice programs, and they're moving up, uh, you know, the ladder. And um, you know, 
who knows if it was possible if you know if he wasn't there to help so that that's huge and um there's definitely a lot of big companies out there that can uh, help a lot of kids it's just um i don't know what it's going to take to get them to do it but um you know, i guess we're going to try so um can you share with us what you're up to nowadays you're just recently retired so what 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 are you uh, aspiring to do now and you're going to stay connected with the game in any way? Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm uh, working on a couple of things. Uh, I did a little bit of TV work um, on TSN. Probably going to do more of that moving forward. Um, you know, on ice stuff, I haven't really gone into, into any coaching or anything like that. You know, I went to, Anthony had a, you know, orientation for some of the young guys going into the OHL draft and stuff like that. So I went and talked to them and shared my experience. Um, so probably looking to do more of that, not necessarily coaching or anything like that, but, you know, talking and um, kind of just sharing what I went through and if I can help in any way uh, that way. Um, yeah, so um looking to um help the next generation you know make it make it easier for them than it was for me and then it was for anthony and stuff like that you know so the one question we always ask on the podcast is what advice would you give to a young hockey player today you know if this is what you want to do um it's going to take a lot of sacrifice and a lot of hard work and you're going to miss uh, some parties you're going to miss some uh, fun stuff but this what you really want to do uh i would say it's it's in the end it's worth it um you know at the time you know i missed my prom i missed like all these things that i thought were the end of the world when i was younger and missed a, a lot of parties and stuff like that and you know when i was younger you know i thought it was you know i thought those things were super important and stuff like that but um this is what i wanted and um in the end it was worth it so I would tell a young hockey player, obviously, have fun with it. That's uh, the number one, have fun, work hard. And, um, you know, there's going to be some sacrifice and stuff like that. But in the end, it'll be worth it if you know, this is what you really want to do. So that's some wise advice to share with us. And um, I want to thank you and congratulate you on such a successful career, first starting by your accomplishments in the Ontario Hockey League and then your experiences with the Canadian national team then moving on for a long and lengthy, successful uh, NHL career after being a very high draft pick, and then uh, winning the Stanley Cup. And and who who can say that they won the Stanley Cup? It's hard enough making the NHL, but to win the Stanley Cup, that's just amazing, amazing feat. So it's been great to have you on, um, and thank you once again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. We're proud to be working with Hockey Equality. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey. By lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out HockeyEquality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to share this story with your kids, then check out My Hockey Hero. It's shorter and suitable for the whole family. You can click the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts.
This has been a Podstarter production. production.